This is Splice. You're listening to a recorded session from Splice Beta 2022 in Chiang Mai. We've edited this, but only slightly. Hey everyone, this is Alan, and in this session we've got Carl Javier, the CEO of Puma Podcast, and he's talking about how to listen to your audience, and perhaps maybe realizing that what you created for them isn't the reason why they're coming to you in the first place. Okay, morning everyone. Thanks for coming and to, for scanning. I realize it's more work than you want to do at, at 10 a.m. today after pretty sure everybody was partying last night. But here we are, thanks for, uh, for coming to my talk. This workshop, I'm going to try to make it as interactive as possible, but I also want to acknowledge that you are all amazing in the jobs that you do. So I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to sort of share our experience, building audience, and, um, and hopefully we can arrive at common ideas or, or shared ideas or new ideas together. So this was the, the title that Alan Rishad threw at me. And I said, why, of course, I will do anything for you people. As we all know, we'll do anything for them. So this is sort of the, the work of Puma Podcast in the last couple of years, uh, largely guided by really important work that we did with Splice. And, and I just want to share like, what we've been through and where it's gotten us now uh, in the hopes that it gets you to new places. So again, I'm just prefacing with this is our experience and some activities, some questions that hopefully will help guide you as you try to do something similar, parallel, in collaboration with, etc., etc. So I'm from Puma Podcast. I'm Carl. I am still not used to saying I am the CEO, but I am, I'm the CEO of Puma Podcast. Um, I stepped in for our, our founder, Robbie, who most of you already know. This is us in, at month six. And this is us a few months ago. So we've gone from a small team with a bunch of freelancers to a relatively large team in three years. And part of that is because of the growth engagement that we have with our audience. I'm the most awkward person in the group, obviously. <laughs> right. And so scanning and this worksheet, if you already have it. So let's start with assumptions. This is, I suppose, startup 101 for a lot of people, but not as basic as some of us might think. So the first question just being, what assumptions have you made in starting your media startup or in planning to start or whatever else? Because if we think of startups as not necessarily just businesses, but as innovation laboratories, then all startups are really just test labs. And every single test that you're running is based on an assumption that you want to question or challenge. So I'll share some of our assumptions. So one, we assume that Filipino audiences would want high quality podcasting. We put up Puma podcast in a time when radio was still dominant. Very few people knew what a podcast was. And so we figured Filipinos are smart enough to get there. Someone has to build that ecosystem, and why not us? The second was, if you build it, they will come. I suppose some of us are old enough to know the reference. Uh, you don't have to reveal if you are. But not only is if you build it, they will come. But if you build it, that th there will be a market that will pay for it. And then the third is that we are audio only. And we don't want to do anything else, because we are artisans in audio. If you are. <laughs> 
arts people or artisans, you know where the, most of that thinking gets you as an arts person. If you're just taking notes and stuff, and I don't mind if it looks like you're writing notes to each other, but just list down some assumptions that you have made. Uh, assumptions of your market, of your company, and of what the role of your company is, what you're serving. So the next is, and this is where, one where I will do some audience participation. Having made these assumptions, how do you test them? So the assumption is like, my assumption now is that there's a level of maturity where you have made assumptions of your market and you are testing them. So for us, uh, rapid prototyping, which is basically coming out with really, really bad podcasts that no one ever hears, <laughs> and then trashing and then trying to make something better, and then the minimum viable product, which is publishing one of those bad ones and, and seeing how people react. You can take some notes, and if anybody has other ways that they test that they'd like to share, just ask them to raise their hand so they can share now. How do you measure the feedback to challenge the assumption? The great thing about making it all up as you go along is you also make up what metric you want to test by, right? Based on what you understand of the available market. So when we came out, there was nothing. We had a baseline zero, obviously, for our own podcast. And in the market, all we could do was look at what the studies were and what supposedly successful podcasts were. And it was impossible to compare ourselves to like international podcasts. But it's also impossible to compare ourselves to comedians and celebrities who have their own pods. So we tried to extrapolate based on our initial data what a good number would be. I'm talking numbers because that is how I wanted to function. I wanted to be purely a numbers-based person. So how do you test? You put the podcast out, and what we measured for was retention. How long does someone listen? And not just how many listens, but also what geographies are we hitting? Which audiences are we hitting? But all of that through whatever the platform could give us. So it's figuring out what data set you want to work with, and then telling yourself what you can be happy with. And when you start off with 15 downloads a day, then you can start to be happy with 100. And then you introduce a new element. I'm going to cut the podcast by five minutes and see if that increases or decreases. And then once you see whether that works, then you find what the other things are. Maybe I need a new story. Maybe I need a new format. Maybe the voice isn't working, so I bring in a guest voice for a couple of episodes. We have 40 shows that range a bunch of stuff, but our highest performing is a daily news podcast that runs about five to eight minutes. It's slow news explainers. But we only got to that because we started you know, testing. Uh, we started with a 15-minute daily news roundup, which people told us they would not listen to every day. They would wait till the weekend and then listen. So again, it was these assumptions that we were making of what people wanted based on those formats, based on where we were. I guess this is the point here is we didn't know how to listen to our audience. And I don't know if this is a matter of lack of knowledge, technical skill. If it's anything to do with Puma Podcast, I will inevitably blame myself. And I think it's my introversion and my not wanting to deal with people and wanting to, to, re to rely on numbers. Because I always think that metrics are enough. And looking at 
you know, whether the numbers are going up or down is enough. And that is all that I need to keep this company su successful. And they're not. Basically, if you are not very good at talking to people, you ask for help from people who are good at talking to people like Rashad and Alan. <laughs> Shameless plugging. <laughs> they, so they sat us down and said, what you're doing is not enough. Um, not, not in as harsh uh, a way. It, obviously, everything is processed through my weird mind. So what you're doing is not enough. And you need to figure out another way to engage and build out another suite of data that you can draw from. And it doesn't matter that th this is here. They don't have to conflict, but they can coexist and they can build out and expand your thinking. So that's where I guess our whole thing is. Because we're audio nerds, we wanted to call it a remix. Because Puma Podcast, like version one, was what we imagined it with our assumptions of who we were and what our audience wanted. And like music people know, if you're getting a remix, it's a crowdsourced thing. A DJ can pick it up and put music on it, figure out a different way to present it. And so we were offering our audience an opportunity to come in and explain to us what they were thinking. So part of the remix project, we did uh, focus group discussions. Again, Alan and Rishad know. I said, can I not join? <laughs> and my excuse was, I don't want to color the responses. <laughs> and they said, no, you really have to sit there and you have to talk with your audiences and you have to, you have to engage. And it was, it was enlightening. Um, it was traumatizing, but it was also enlightening. <laughs> Sometimes you need to ask, and th these are some of these interesting things that, that came out of the study. So sorry if that's small, I'll just read out some of it. So 66% said that they were listening to understand what's going on in the Philippines. So that's good validation for what we believed. 50% said that they wanted to learn podcasting and production from us, which we did not understand. But okay, it's you know behind the scenes stuff, right? We all like watching the behind the scenes of House of the Dragon or like Marvel action sequences. So I suppose we are at that level where people want to see how we do stuff. And then 30% wanted to attend host and producer meetups. Another assumption because we, we just imagined ourselves to not occupy meat space. <laughs> meat space being you know the opposite of, of meta space, right? And then this is some of the feedback that we got. Had no idea. So Puma is like a friend who's in tune. They have taste. And so we've taken this whole smart friend thing, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. And then it makes them feel smart. <laughs> and I, I think this is a reflection also. It's an important thing for us to understand as we live in a media landscape where increasingly people are distrustful of, of a lot of journalism. And we were occupying this space where they weren't feeling alienated. They didn't feel that we were beyond and I guess uh, the important thing for our listeners is we, they didn't feel judged. So instead of feeling judged, they felt like they belonged in the conversation. And so here's some survey stuff. This is one of the inventions of Alan, Alan and Rashad is um, they want to be a member of the Puma Podcast Board of Listeners. 
this was a question, like, would you want to join the board of listeners? And then when they showed us the survey, because they put this on the survey without us knowing, then we had to ask, what is, what is this? What is this? It, doesn't exist. It, does, it doesn't exist. We don't know what the parameters are. So we're actually currently building out. We have identified super fans who will become part of the board. We don't know what they will do. We don't know what the function is. But because they told us that they would like to be there, we will build it for them. They wanted to give us money. That's the, that was one of the surprising things. Because So one of my assumptions, because the Philippines as a market refuses to pay for things. <laughs> so our market is used often to launch uh, mobile games in beta because we won't pay for it. So they let us play it for free and then find the bugs. And if there are paid games, we will create three or four multiple accounts on a game instead of paying 99 cents so that we can keep playing. <laughs> so given that market that we put Puma Podcast up in, we assumed that our audiences would not want to give us money because they don't want to give anybody money. And nobody wants to give journalists money in general. But we got into the call, and one of the dudes was just like, why don't you have a donate button? What is wrong with you guys? Like, make it easy. Like the, the, yeah, make it easy to take my money was the quote. And so we're doing that. We're, we have a, a tip jar out soon. And then this is the weird one. They wanted us to go to their house to record podcasts. <laughs> why? This sounds, this sounds like, like potential cannibalism. But... So I told you we did the first two. This one, we're still, we're still thinking about this one. But for someone to want this is, maybe it's weird, but maybe it's cool. I don't know. No, it is statistically significant to be put in the slide. <laughs> so let's build out that package. My audience engagement person is there. Help us put some pricing on that. I will definitely live in, live in someone's house. It depends on how nice the house is, though. <laughs> and then I'll judge it as, I don't know if the acoustics here are good enough. So this, still connected. I don't know how direct, but they did want to engage with us directly, is the thing. And it was, they, it's very weird for a team of introverts who have trouble talking to each other to come to the idea that people want to hang out with us. But, you know, we're all here now, so. <laughs> I think it speaks to what the community conversation has been all this time and yesterday and everything else is people are trying to find ways to connect and they're not content with consuming content. And there needs to be a larger thinking. And you can see that none of this was in our base assumptions. None of this was in, you know, Puma Podcast V1, V0.1. Like this was not part of, of the initial thinking. And so assumptions need calibration, uh, need recalibration. And that's why it's great if you think of your startup as a test lab. Because then you just keep recalibrating. And nothing is ever a failure. It's just a test that leads you to a new set of assumptions that then you can con continue to test. As long as you can convince people to keep giving you money to run tests. <laughs> so well, step one. When you don't know what to do with audience, is you hire an extrovert. So Anna's over there. She's our head of audience engagement. Um, we, we have this, these like uh, coaching sessions and stuff. And 
she rated us like the most extroverted. We didn't know when I, we hired her, but there you go. We understood that where we were, you know, in, in year one doing social media and our general line was, well, we do the social media that everybody else does. And that was not strategic. It wasn't paying off. And we came to understand that only after, well, you know how you have an intuition of something is not working. But it's only when you run the proper testing, like the audience survey, that you confronted with the data that this is not enough. And at least we were lucky enough in our organizational age or development that we had the capacity to hire an audience engagement team. Like organizationally, it made sense. Financially, I don't know, but here we are. <laughs> From there, we've been building up the, the comms team and it's, it's, it's sometimes surprising to me that our comms team is close to or almost as big as our production teams, if only because it takes that much work for the communications to be done. And this is funny given that for the longest time, our communications team functioned as like one person or two people for doing everything in the organization on top of whatever else they were doing. And so this really demanded that we make audience a critical piece of how we think of the development of the business. We fine-tuned our voice. So you know how some traditional media will flood you with a social media post every 15 minutes of something. And then each post on each platform will be the same. And then the headline will also be the caption. And what we continue to evolve in our understanding is we have to fine-tune our voice depending on what platform we're on. I'm pretty sure a lot of us keep talking about but continue to be afraid of TikTok. And so <laughs> that's one of those platforms that needs its own voice. And in fact, we, did, um, we, have a, we have a mentor who guides us through some of this audience engagement. And we had to create different persona for Puma Podcast as a company. And that persona being occupied by the person who lives on Twitter, what does that person talk like versus the person who lives on Facebook versus this person that we're developing that lives on TikTok? And they need to be a Puma podcast voice, but voiced properly for, for the platform. How do you know it's the right person, it's the right tone, it's the right word chosen? If people, if people respond to it. Yeah, but you come from nowhere, I mean, how do you start going into this mess? So we would write out different versions of, of the posting and we would kill the ones that didn't sound right. And so I guess if you just want a quick process on it, what you want to do is look at the most high performing accounts on each platform, see how they structure their sentences and then try and examine the differences across platforms. So I mean like everybody just points at the Washington, Washington Post TikTok guy as the, as the gold standard, but there's a lot of examples in Asia of effective implementations. So it's a matter of of that research, or in my case, hiring someone to do that research and execute it. Next is we reflected on our identity. So the whole smart friend thing, we continue to be very good at smart. We continue to struggle at being friend. <laughs> and, and the friend part is also doubly difficult in the pandemic, post-pandemic world. It's still very, it still feels very dangerous for people to go to meetups in the Philippines. But you know, on the urging of things, and then at a point in time when we felt like things were getting better, we decided that it was time to engage with audiences.
And I guess that's one thing that I invite you to think about. If you have a suite of products, what in that suite of products could you test? So I'll talk through some of our options. So we have a, a podcast called Squad Leader, and it features like a super high level executive, and then he analyzes video games and talks to other high level executives about how they use what they learned from video games to lead their organizations. And so we thought, why not do uh, an executive dinner where we would invite people, charge them for stakes, you know, get some of the money off of that and turn it into a really big event. And when you, when you speak of executives, they're willing to pay more so you don't have to bring in that many people. So that was one. We have a, a show on uh, female sex and pleasure. And then in the Philippines, there's a trend. Um, it would translate to like auntie's brunch where um, women of a certain age will meet up on Sunday mornings and they will drink mimosas and talk. And we were thinking, what if we built an entire event around this where, again, you charge people for the brunch and for getting to hang out with the host and the producers and have those conversations that are not available to, to you if you're just a listener. And then and another option, we have a fairly popular economics podcast. And we were thinking, why not get an auditorium, fill it with students, and then record it as a live episode. But uh, we didn't do any of these. Uh, part of it probably selfish, but we did something for my podcast. <laughs> so uh, I have a guitar podcast. I, I started to learn to play guitar during the pandemic. And then my guitar teacher is like a rock star who lost all his gigs because of the pandemic. So he started, he became a guitar teacher. And from there, we put out a podcast and we thought this might actually be the thing that draws people in. We ran a contest to see, we invited listeners, we ran a, a small contest, we rented out a professional studio where you know, famous bands in the Philippines actually record stuff. So it was a, a trip for some of the people who got to join because it's where they see the bands that they admire playing and they get to come over and they get to, they get to jam and, and, and it was a recording. So you, you saw a version of uh, our, our band last night. Um, so we're called the Light Snacks. I won't explain, it's a long story, but it's spelled L-I-G-H-T and last night was L-I-T-E because we were a smaller version. But as a result, also, not only community building, but we started with the assumption that we were non-music audio production, but without really trying, our entire staff of audio engineers are also musicians and music producers. So they played backing band, also me, because I'm selfish and I wanted to be a part of it. And they also mixed and mastered the, the album. So now, from being um, just podcasters meeting with our audience, it is actually an EP that is clearing rights. We have to clear some rights first, but it'll be up soon enough. And that's the, that's the company band which continues. And then on the strength of this one small event of about 15 attendees, no longer recorded and photographed, but then because we had like bona fide rock stars playing within the backing band, a bunch of rock stars showed up and then they played private sets for, for the attendees without planning any of it. So it was all very organic. And so we actually put up a concert. There's a band that was famous 20 years ago that reformed uh, just to play our concert. 
So we did this in September. So from our first event in June, we put up a concert where we invited the audience. And this was also sort of two-pronged. We used the newsletter that we were building to invite people. And then we bought beers. And if you wanted a beer, you had to subscribe to the newsletter if you were not yet subscribed. <laughs> we had a uh, messaging campaign. So we, we regularly do things. To, to try and just advance uh, an important message that we feel. So before it was, it would have translated to needs to be true. So this, uh, this one was called Mabuting Makinig, which is it's good to listen. And then we called it Mabuting Makigig, which is it's good to gig, right? So it, it was something that was very within our identity. And we did get bands that were also within the Puma podcast, identity, spirit, the, the headliner band is a, a band that is fronted by a human rights lawyer. So he used to be a rock star, and now he's a human rights lawyer and a rock star. And, um, and he continues to write and do, do important work in the space. So everything here was mission-driven but community-focused. And so we went from audio only to audio first. So again, we, one of the things that we were holding on to was we will never do video because that's that is against us. And, and these are assumptions that you need to overcome once you're confronted with data. And and then the whole we don't want to hang out on social media because that's a cesspool. Ugh. But also like you you know you you have to get on as many platforms as possible. You have to go where people are. Uh, they're not on Discord for us, thank God. But <laughs> but they they are on these different. Right now, they're on the newsletter. Right now, they show up every week on Twitter spaces. I don't know what's going to happen there, where we'll migrate them to, given new situations. But this adaptation was very important to us, because this meant this doesn't change any of our vision or mission, but it changes our execution. And so it changes the build out of our team. And it justifies having a communications team that is almost as big as the production team. So. We never imagined this, so I guess my question for you is what does your customer-focused product look like? What is, and obviously maybe you'll need to go and start building out the assumptions. So I understand that people will be at different phases at this point. Some of you will be planning a product, and therefore, if you haven't made assumptions, this is the perfect time, make the assumptions, write out the tests. Right? If you already have a product, but you didn't have assumptions tied to it, then you can write the assumptions, put the numbers up for testing, and then you're deciding what the right testing will be, whether that's numbers, whether that's talking to people, whether that's hiring smarter people that are better than you to talk to your community for you, whatever that is. And then if you already have a developed product, then the question becomes, what is the next product line that is more audience-focused? Think about these things. I think this should be there. What assumptions? How do you test? And then the things that I haven't talked through but I, I think are important on that worksheet is if you need to change direction, what's the first step? So like for us, that first step was hiring an audience engagement lead. Well, actually the first step is realizing that you need to hire an audience engagement lead and then finding the right person for the job. But figuring out if you need to make, uh, the word pivot is so annoying because everybody's, but if you need to pivot, what is the first direction of that pivot? And then um, I, I love the idea of the adjacent possible. 
So it's the, you can only progress to the next thing based on what is adjacent to your step. So the moment that you move in that direction, what are the new possibilities that you were not pursuing within that first direction? And then last is, you know, what are the three questions you would love to ask your audience? Like I want people to come out of this. With those three, if you could talk to them, what would you ask? And then what are things that are weird that you could ask them? We've, we've seen the weirdness of what audiences want. So maybe what weird, weird things would you ask from them? What would you want to know? Uh, and what line of questioning gets you to a point where they're revealing things for you? Yeah, and then the sort of meta levels, what do you learn from those questions that you're asking? And are those the, the, the primary things or are those just the things opening up? That's just you guys being journalists and knowing the questions to ask. Yeah, I think that is my talk. You've been listening to a session recording from Splice Beta 2022. Let us know what you think. You'll find us on SpliceMedia.com. This is a Splice podcast produced by Norman Chella at Podchaser. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Google, International Fund for Public Interest Media, International Media Support, Conrad Adenauer Stiftung, Luminate, Media Development Investment Fund, Meta, and Telemedia. This is Splice.